This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more know, doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Batter Pot of their own listeners. Uh, welcome to episode 12. Uh, we already have a dozen episodes. Hooray. Next week will be a baker's dozen. <laughs> I am Allison McCaig, and I am joined, as I am most weeks, by my lovely co-hosts, Linda Surovich. Hi, Linda. Hey, Allison. And Maggie Wigan. Hi, Maggie. Hi, Allison. And now I want donuts. So yeah. thank you for getting us off on the donut craving foot tonight. Yeah, you put Whoops. that in our head. <laughs> I, I was it was kind of on the brain, not donuts specifically, but the idea of a baker's dozen was kind of on the brain because I just um, picked up bagels yesterday because I was oh. visiting my parents in New Jersey and I always bring home bagels to freeze. <laughs> for a second, I just had to make sure that you said you picked up bagels the other day. I just want to be like, you picked them up from Baltimore or you picked them up from here? You tell me where. No, <laughs> New Jersey, no. The correct place for bagels, understood. The correct place. And that's like the one thing. I mean, they're like decent bagels here, but they're not as good. Um, and I miss them always. And so I, whenever I visit my parents, I always freeze them and bring them home. But soon I won't have to do that anymore because I will be back in the land of delicious bagels and pizza pretty soon. Although I did hear that there's like a mythical French toast bagels somewhere in the city that like sells oh, out yeah no that was r like right near my old neighborhood in williamsburg and i will totally send you the address later because it's delicious Yo, yeah that sounds awesome it sounds amazing panera <laughs> has one mm -hmm. and it's like the one bagel i eat from panera 
<laughs> because it's like nothing like I mean like you know it's basically dessert it's like they call it like a cinnamon crunch bagel oh my god it's so good and I eat it with like maple walnut cream cheese yo oh, that's the that stuff man <laughs> yeah this one if you put it in the toaster it will like caramelize a little and then yeah. some butter will just sort of seep like I'm not usually a butter on bagel person but this is absolutely where it belongs yeah, we should probably put like a content warning on this. Like, warning, you might get hungry. <laughs> content warning: We haven't said a single word about the Mets, but we have talked about food. Speaking <laughs> of stress eating, the Mets. Yes. Yeah, we need to talk about food because talking about the Mets is too upsetting. <laughs> like, I legit had like a big piece of pie after the game last night. <laughs> I need pie. Well, I had I a big piece of pie, like... but not for the game. <laughs> Just cause. Linda, I remember you being like, "I need cookies." <laughs> What kind of pie? Cherry. Cherry pie is so good. It's I had peanut butter pie, but again, I didn't stay up for the end of the game, so. (laughs) Well, because I went downstairs. Correct thing to do. Yeah, I I went downstairs, opened the fridge. I'm like, oh, there's a pie. I'm like, okay, it it was a piece that you could kind of make into two, but when I cut it, I'm like, that seems small, so I'll just finish the pie. (laughs) You wouldn't want it to go bad in there, then it wouldn't get to fulfill its destiny. I mean, cutting the pie in half is like maybe a a one or two run loss. This was a whole piece of pie loss. Yeah. (laughs) And I had to recap it, too. Yeah. So I deserve that full pie. (laughs) This was a wake up at 630 in the morning, roll over and look at my phone. And what the hell happened? Bad stuff, Maggie. It was bad. It was quite bad. bad. So everything bad. I mean, mostly, so, I mean, Zach Wheeler didn't pitch very well again. Um, he's oh, 10 hits. 10 yeah, hits. I, caught the, I caught the Wheeler being, at best, mediocre. Yeah, yeah he, like, he's managing, yeah. like, he's managing the runs okay. Like, he's not letting the innings, like, completely balloon on him. But his, his whip is starting to rise very rapidly. Because um, he's just giving up base runners every inning now. I mean, for the yeah. past him few fast. starts. Trade yep. him, trade him, trade him. One, super fast right now. Again. The defense was so bad yesterday. Didn't do him any favors. No. Just like <laughs> he's so game. vulnerable to bad defense because he, like, his his kind of get-out-of-jail-free card is that double play that he's really good at mm-hmm. at generating those double plays, but they have to be turned behind him. And this being the Mets, more often than not, they are not turned Yep. And sometimes they don't get any outs at all behind him. And it's yeah, like, like he has to he has to dig down and find it when he doesn't have it. But also like the Mets just can't seem to take advantage of the strengths that he does have. And that's not a great combination. It's not good. I mean, like when you're so heavily reliant on your pitching staff as being your strength, especially your starting pitching, like putting such a poor defense behind them seems pretty ill-advised, but you know. It's counterintuitive. It is. And like, I understand the argument that there are fewer balls in play now than ever. And so teams are starting to kind of punt on defense and Mets pretty much did that to like bolster their offense a little bit. And that, in that aspect, it has worked. They're pretty good at scoring runs um, for the most part, at least much better than the 2018 iteration of the Mets. But, you know, it, like, there are times when it comes back to bite you in the butt, like it did yesterday. <laughs> oh, yeah. Although, to be fair, they weren't winning that game They weren't anyway. winning that game anyway. <laughs> I, Drew Gannon I also... came in and just lit gas, put gasoline on that fire. <laughs> yeah. Well, they have an outfield full of infielders. 
They have Rosario, who God only knows what's going on with him. And but I feel like one of the underrated defensive issues right now is Wilson Ramos, who was, you know, we knew coming into all this that, you know, he's not a defensive catcher. That's not what you're that's not what you're going to get from him. But it's gotten worse. And at his age, it's going to be a long couple of years behind the plate. Like this is we're sort of we're sort of in this now and just kind of have to get through to the other side. But it's it's going to be ugly. And it's the fundamentals, just catching the ball. He can't catch the ball. Yeah, like he's a million years old and he doesn't have any knees. Knees. No knees. <laughs> like, forget about throwing out base runners. Like, just catch the ball. <laughs> yeah, and it's like, I mean, you can explain away with the lack of balls in play. You can explain away that for everybody else, but that doesn't doesn't factor into catcher defense. You can't explain catch away catcher defense with that. Like, ugh. Um, but yeah, it's the biggest issue right now, though, by far, is the bullpen. Um, Drew Gagnon. What bullpen? What bullpen? Yeah, we don't, we don't have, have a bullpen. one of those. Um, Drew Gagnon came <laughs> in, lit gasoline on the fire, gave up like four runs or something like that in one inning. And yeah, it was, it was four. No, it was four runs in an inning and a third. Because yes. I remember recapping this. <laughs> an inning and a third. Amelia and... was three runs in a third of an inning. And then we were we all said in the slack immediately, he's getting cut. And guess what happened? <laughs> he got cut. Well, um, then even I said, just did I help Amelia with a phantom injury? I don't know if it's phantom, but. It's, I well, mean, I think. It's something that if that, that's actually the injury that he's dealing with and the Mets signed him with it yeah, after he was diagnosed with it like two years ago. Yeah. Woof. Yikes. Big Hashtag yikes. Because that's like, yeah, exactly. Because like. On the surface, like in a vacuum, when you look at the relievers in a similar tier to Familia and what they got across the league free agent signing wise, like the Familia deal doesn't look that bad. But when you factor that in and the fact that Familia got three years, whereas some Mm. of these dudes only got two, oof, that is rough times. And he like... He, I mean, it's and they jumped on the market too. Yeah, they they signed him right away. It was too right away. Yeah. Because because he's a guy that's familiar to the clubhouse. That's exactly they like their guys, and this time it's not benefiting them at all. Um, and yeah, it's, his ERA is like eight now, and so it got to the point I where I don't know if he's in pain or not. Like actually, I don't know how much this injury is affecting him. I mean, I believe I believe that this is like a real thing he has. Yeah, I just don't know yeah. if how much it's actually like impacting his performance but it's gotten to the point where they need to do something and rather than just be like you should go to the minors and work on this they're like which i don't think they can do anyway right they're like we'll put you on the injured list so that you could go to the minors and work on this um so yeah it's it's really not good so in 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 response to oh wait 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 what happened Oh, Pete group dong. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> We're going to win this game, she said stupidly. <laughs> Never mind. Forget it. I didn't say anything. Group dong alert. <sighs> um, Polar bear at it again. Finally hitting Julio Tehran for once. That's Why? nice. That's nice. Even if, like, they didn't hit him last year when he was garbage, but this year. He's on it, and now they're killed. Well, actually, <laughs> did they just, like, single handedly? spiral his era I think a little did, bit because it was definitely I below did. i think it was below three at the start of this game sure and was. it was like almost three and a half now 
sure even was. Gare was saying, oh, you know, they never hit him well. They're batting like 170 against him coming into this game. Yeah, they basically they basically raised his ERA by a half a run oh, in, nice. these, in these four innings. So, Woof. well, bummer. Cool. Sorry. Hate to, hate see, to see it. it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it breaks. Yeah. My heart bleeds. <laughs> Um, what a shame but legit you know who my heart bleeds for like not in the sarcastic form is um is Brandon Nimmo I know I am so sad for Brandon Nimmo because like okay so if anyone has not read the news who's listening he has been shut down for a month a month of no baseball activity whatsoever which means that if he's coming back at all this season He's probably a minimum of two months away. Um, And his neck is fucked up. Like, who knows? Who knows what the future holds for him at all after this? It's like a scary situation. And it just breaks a heart because like, man, is there a guy on the planet who loves baseball as much as Brandon Nimmo? I don't think so. Yeah. I was saying the other day in Amazing Avenue Slack that, um, if there's any proof that there is no God, it's the fact that we've been robbed of Brandon Nimmo's smile. Like, yeah, this joy. Like, come on, man. Mm-hmm. And like, it's it's gone to the point where it's like, you know, it's one thing when the Mets mismanagement of injuries like screws with the roster and screws with the team's ability to win. But it's another thing when you're potentially ruining these guys' careers. This is like a, a like a career affecting. I'm not going to say career ending because we don't know that by any stretch of the imagination. But like, this is this could affect the entire course of his career because the Mets and forced him to play through this. And even if it doesn't have effects that linger beyond the season, we're still talking about this kid losing a basically a full season in the of his physical peak because the Mets let him play six weeks with a busted neck and like. I'm, you could see that he wasn't that he wasn't his usual self, and yeah. I I just it boggles the mind that they wouldn't have been more careful. I, I mean I know it sounds silly even saying it because this is the Mets we're talking about, and that's it's so you know someone was saying on Twitter like oh we don't know what happened he might have wanted to play himself like it could have been misdiagnosed like all of this is potentially true. But what have the Mets done in the last five years or 10 years or ever to earn the benefit of that doubt? Like, Nothing. really? Nothing. This is such a, this is like a story we've heard so many times from them now. Yeah. And uh, for, I don't know if it's just me, but like, I'm scared of like a David Wright situation here, especially yeah. with. Yeah. Uh, so I'm hoping that's not the case, that, you know, with rest, maybe. Because I think even Mickey Callaway said they're still not looking at surgery. But, again, oh. that means nothing. Oh, Mickey Callaway said it. Well, then. Yeah. Mickey Callaway literally said 10 minutes before they put Jerry's family on the injured list that he wasn't injured. <laughs> yeah. Um... I think they didn't inform him of their phantom IL stint. That's another thing about the vets. This is like classic miscommunication stuff. They like don't it talk was, to each other. Like it was literally like Mickey Calloway's out here giving the press conference. Like and everybody's like, is Jerry's familia injured? Like what's up with him? And he's like, you know, we're monitoring him day to day. He seems fine. Stuff seems fine. You know, we're going to keep monitoring him every day and checking in all the time. Like literally 10 minutes later. <laughs> 
Oh, God. <laughs> oh, you can't make this stuff up. Yeah, and it's, I mean, even though the Mets, like, even though they haven't had, like, the worst luck they could possibly have with injuries this year, it's still, like, the same Mets shit, like, with Nimmo, and now we've got Justin Wilson, again, had a setback, like, he had he had elbow, like, tightness, and so he mm-hmm. was pulled from his rehab stint, it's, it, and, like, Jeff Wilpon was present in Syracuse for like all these rehab stents it was like Wilson and um Cano Cano and Nimmo like all rehabbing at once and Jeff Wilpon just like showed up and it's like all of a sudden like devil mad like evil devil like (laughs) voodoo descended (laughs) I imagine it being kind of like this blue and orange smoke that sort of (laughs) envelops them and oh, like the lost and like absorbs monster. into their injuries. <laughs> like it's like, and you know, like Jeff Wilpon and the Mets like clearly have this organization wide philosophy of like we need to get these ba- guys back from the injured list, rub some dirt in it, rub the team, some dirt on it. The team is scuffling. Yeah, we're paying them. The team is scuffling. We need you guys back now. Man and up. So you know, like we might not see Brandon Nimmo this season at all. We might not see Justin Wilson again this season. Like it's you know. Jed Lowry may or may not exist. Yeah, like (laughs) the jury is still out. And like they're being purposefully very elusive about the exact nature of these things. Like with Brandon Nimmo, we it took them a long time to even admit that this disc that he had this disc problem in the first place. And now all they're saying is he's shut down, he's having another epidural, but they're not like actually talking about the state of the injury itself and like what it is and they never said anything about like what justin wilson's injury really is they they are very very you know behind closed doors about all this stuff and it's like well, really frustrating and if i was the one who said he had a bulging disc because they kept saying it's inflammation it's inflammation and then Nemo's like no i actually have a bulging disc like so if Nemo had never they, said anything we yeah. wouldn't know <laughs> Yeah, It's one thing if they want to, like, have a general policy of erring on the side of privacy or, like, waiting until things are finalized before giving information and starting out with something a little more vague. But that's not it at all. They they say what they think it is, and then they contradict themselves eight times, and then they say it's nothing at all, and then it goes back to the first thing, and then it's a bulging disc. Yeah. yeah. It's well, like I that's... Saw- I saw somebody on Twitter said they should just go to the hockey terminology and just say upper body injury, lower body injury, lower body injury, somewhere you can't be wrong. That's essentially what they've been doing with Shed Lowry at this point, because they they talked about the body injury. Yeah, they talked about the capsule strain. And then they said, like, while he was rehabbing because he was having knee issues that translated to like a hamstring issue. And now they're just calling it like. Like the lower body, left side, kinetic chain. And you're just like, what the hell? Okay, what? I can't. Um, But yeah, I mean, and we've got the Syndergaard issue now, which is sort of all interconnected with all of this because we've had so many issues with the bullpen. Like Mickey Calloway is forced to push his pitchers beyond what they should be going. And then you get issues like what Syndergaard had on Saturday. Well, another thing was... I'm getting 2016 flashbacks there, too. Like, he's coming back, says I'm fine, and now I'm just waiting for a worse injury. Well, Proof me wrong. Well, the too, yeah. is that he did not have a lot of injuries in his professional career. And then there, and I I know somebody was talking about this on Twitter. I, I should be citing them. I, um, please, please at me and yell at me, and I will tweet if you were the one who I was reading saying this. But, like, ever since... 
he made a big deal about bulking up that off season, adding on 20 pounds of muscle or whatever it was. Lo and behold, he's pulling hammies like it's going out of style. Like that's don't add 20 pounds of muscle if you're a really good pitcher. Like just yeah. Yeah, just do the thing it. that you're already doing. And all a lot of these guys bulk up like crazy and then get all these soft tissue injuries like this because it's not necessarily a healthy body type. But Cespedes was having the same training program, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, maybe don't train like bodybuilders when you're baseball players, but that's just a thought um, from this not professional person. I don't know. Um, so, you know, we like Syndergaard was out there doing agility drills under the watchful eyes of everyone, you know, like Jeff Wilpon's smoke descending on the field as Syndergaard does agility drills, insisting he's only missing one start, insisting that Jason Vargas is not missing his next start. Um, It's just a flesh wound. It's just a flesh wound. (laughs) I'm not quite dead. Um, but yeah, so now we we but we do need one spot start at least um, this week, and so it's kind of you look around at the options, and you're once again like flashbacks to earlier in the season when we Walter had a couple Walter Lockett, pitchers come on down, <laughs> yeah, Walker the Lockett, come on tree. down, yeah. So we've got we've got Wilmer Font, who you know had a good performance out of the bullpen in his most recent outing against the Cardinals. We ultimately lost that game because. Chris Flexen um, relief did not have a good performance coming in. (laughs) I mean, the velocity bump that the Mets claimed that Chris Flexen was getting was there. Like he was throwing 97, like they said, out of the bullpen, airing it out for one inning as opposed to being long relief or starting pitcher. That was certainly true, but he still gave up a home run to Paul DeJong of all people, because as always, it's Paul DeJong. Um, You know, but Wilmer Font did, prior to that, Wilmer Font pitched three scoreless innings and looked pretty good, so I guess he gets the start now. Um, They've got Irvin Santana hanging around in the minors. They've got... Oh, which uh, I completely forgot about until this exact moment. That's a thing. That's a thing that is true. I think I wrote his, like, the the news post for Amazing Avenue about him, and still, my brain just erased him from existence. It's a thing. At least as a mess. Is he on the 40 man? Irvin Santana, no. No. Um, and I don't think Walker Walker Lockett is either. The 40 man is just 75 different injured relievers. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. The 40 man is is merely a construct. <laughs> we do now have Maybe the 40 man was the friends we made along the way. Yeah. The yeah. We do now have a full I I am aware now that we have a full 40 man roster at this moment because we did add um when uh when Drew Gagnon was optioned and Familia was put on the injured list they brought up uh, Daniel Zamora who was already on the 40 man but then they added uh Steven Nogosik I think is how you pronounce that Nogasek so. Nogasek That's um, better than I would have been able to do Yeah yeah he was a relief pitcher that we got in the Addison Reed trade one of the three relief pitchers that we got from the Red Sox um He's he, the last one standing isn't he Basically, yeah, that we haven't like. Used. I think he's the last of all of that crowd that that Sandy brought in over that. that Ryder season. Ryan has not yet seen the major leagues either. Ooh, oh, in that was series he of Duda? Did he have Jay Bruce? Did he have I think TJ? Oh, Bruce. Ryder Ryan. Did Ryder no, Ryan have TJ? That was, or was someone that was Drew Smith. That's the one. 
I can't keep track of all these failed prospects. That, yeah, it's, that it's look not exactly good. the same and pitch exactly the same. And which we, is to say, not at all. Not and good. The problem is, is like we like none of these trades have really worked out. We'll see how Steven Nogosek, Nogasek, damn it. <laughs> we'll see how Steven Nogasek does. Like maybe he's good. I don't know. <laughs> people are telling people who know more than I do about these things are telling me in Amazing Avenue Slack that you know they're not enthused um he didn't pitch well in the minors prior to this season but this season since being promoted to Syracuse he has not allowed a run since being promoted in his 12 innings of work so you know he's pitching well of late so we'll see what he's got um as far as I know he seems like very much the same as many of these other relievers we saw you know a fringe guy with control issues (laughs) yeah Um, yeah, I think I saw a stat saying he's walking like 4.8 batters or something. Yeah, he's walking a mm. lot of guys. He's, yeah. He's doing right. well with the run prevention, but he's walking a lot of guys. So we'll see what uh, happens. That's troubling. So we have, those are the two guys that have cycled back up now um, that we have on our team again now. We have Zamora again, and then we have our first look at Nogasek. Have we gotten any updates on Avilon? Did he... Um, Just no. Depart too. <laughs> yeah, like again, we have no idea. He may never pitch again. Who the heck? Time knows? for our special, special new segment. Maggie googles it. <laughs> <laughs> like that yeah, was the like were you fifty like... pitches or something in an inning, and then yep. was never seen again. Yep, we're using uh, three our... weeks ago. He resumed throwing. Cool. Three weeks ago, and there has been no update. Nope. Um, not not really finding anything else fab yeah not what you want not what you want yeah so um a bullpen with you know nogasek uh chris flexen drew ganyan just like we drew it up folks uh (laughs) you know it's it's a problem our pitching depth is not good and we knew this going into the season and we could have fixed it fairly easily and we didn't so here we are. Um, no, but they had Santiago. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, had. Santiago was a, an improvement to the roster. I will continue to make improvements to the roster, like purchasing Hector Santiago's contract. And, and you promptly... know, amazingly, he just improved the roster again by leaving it. So. <laughs> and then promptly <laughs> designating him for assignment. Um, so, yeah, it's it's rough oh right God. now. We dropped out. Sorry. <laughs> oh, God, what is happening? <laughs> On SNY, they had... <laughs> They had they showed the colonial guy in the booth with them, and underneath they put time traveler. That's amazing. I Who love how it? the internet has made this a thing now. Who is it? Oh, oh, they said his name. Oh. He's a statistician for the Braves, I think. Yeah, he is. He's a stats guy, and <laughs> I didn't even know they had statisticians in the 1700s. I think his first Actually, name no, they did Kevin. have a lot of statisticians. I yes, think I think you're right. It is Kevin, but Kevin. I can't remember. I cannot his last possibly name. believe his name is Kevin. It apparently yeah. is. It has Abraham. to be John. <laughs> the only name it could possibly be is John. Yeah. <laughs> John Quincy Adams. Um, um, to the best of my ability to Google, which is second to none, um, Luis Avilan has not existed on this plane in the last three weeks. So <laughs> there we go. Yeah, that's what happens when you use your lefty specialist for multi-inning outings. Cool. Um, so efficient. Yeah. Just like Jim Henderson. I think I even called him this year's Jim Henderson. Like a week, Yeah, like, he basically is. Yeah. 
But yeah, another I mean, name I had completely forgotten <laughs> until this exact moment. So <laughs> thanks for that. <laughs> so you know things are going okay in this current game that we're playing, but we we had a demoralizing first game against the Braves after dropping three out of four to the Cardinals in like a really really demoralizing fashion. Um, and yeah, and the one that they did pick up was not pretty. No, it was an no. ugly win. I, Maggie and I were present. More on that later. But it was an ugly win. But I'll I'll take it. But it was not pretty. Um, but yeah, this is like a really you know this is a make or break part of the schedule, which is you know why we're having this culture of like every game's a must win game, uh, because we have a stretch now against a bunch of good teams and a bunch of in division teams. We have two series against the Braves and Phillies um coming up and we have a series away against the Cubs at Wrigley Field um so this is kind of a part of the schedule that will easily sink them if they can't you know at least maintain where they are um if they can't at least be close to 500 by the end of this stretch they kind of will be buried pretty much by this part of the schedule so well and it's certainly a part of the schedule that if they were so inclined to 2015 themselves into something this is where that could happen as well. So, yep. yep. Let's see. We shall see. I know see. where I'm, I'm putting my money. <laughs> they had their team meeting today, Nail Maggie. That's going to fix everything. Yeah, it's true. And they meeting. had it even without my tweeting that there was a, uh, what was it? Closed door team meeting threat level update. I didn't even get to do my closed door <laughs> team meeting threat level update at all. So. <laughs> Yeah, they beat me to it. And not only is this a make or break schedule for the team, I think it's a part of the schedule for the team. I think it's a make or break part of the schedule for Mickey Calloway's job. Sure is. I think if they come out of this essentially buried in the division, I think he doesn't last the road trip, basically. Um, So we'll see. Um, Hopefully the Mets pull something off. They finally did hit Julio Tehran for once. So hopefully that's the start of something good and they can get back on a good swing again. They have the offensive capability, and even with Syndergaard missing the one start, hopefully just the one, they do have the starting pitching capability to go on a run. It's just a question of how far can they get with this beleaguered bullpen. Um, Especially now that Jason Vargas is eating his Wheaties. Yes. Yeah. Which is... Yeah, we were wrong, Jason. We were all wrong. We're very sorry. Probably. Yes. We are our, We are all Vargy girls now in a Vargy <laughs> world, shall we say. <laughs> I don't know how I feel about this. <laughs> <laughs> Embrace it. Um, so on that note, um, we are going to take a break. And when we get back, um, we will talk about um, a segment that's been brewing for a while, which is um, online harassment that women and non-men generally face online. So stay tuned. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, like, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. 
Listen to the deal. Listen to the deal on Spotify. And we are back. Welcome back to A Pot of Their Own. Um, this week, um, we are discussing online harassment, um, which is obviously not a new topic, um, but I think it's something that's worth having a discussion about. Um, so last week, um, about a week and a half ago now, um, I tweeted out and reached out to, you know, the Twitter, the baseball Twitterverse, um, and asked people to contact me, um, with their experiences with online harassment. Basically, I asked if you are a, you know, a woman, a trans person, a non-binary person, basically any not man, um, not cis man, please reach out to me, um, and tell me about your experience. And, let me just say, I once again, kind of like with the accessibility segment we did a few weeks ago, I am so overwhelmed with all the responses I got and how responsive people were to this. So thank you so, so much to everyone that reached out to me to share your experience. We on the pod are so deeply grateful um, for you guys trusting us with this information because we know these things aren't easy to talk about. They're really traumatic sometimes and it's really upsetting. So thank you so, so much for sharing these things. Um, and yeah, a quick content warning is that you know, there might be some nasty language on this segment because people are not nice online. Newsflash. <laughs> being a woman online um, runs the risk of being mocked, denigrated, harassed, or sometimes even threatened for just having opinions about sports. And it's worse if you're not a cishet person or if you're not white. I am lucky enough to be both those things, um, but many people are not. And so... You know, it's it's really rough <laughs> when you're a woman online and you tweet things and people call you ugly and people call you dumb and people say all sorts of things that have nothing to do with the opinion itself and just want to attack you, the person, instead of the opinion. Um, I'm sure that you guys have <laughs> plenty to contribute to this, too. But yeah, I've had plenty of experience with this, so. Well, it's well and certainly, um, I mean... Just because I know this is probably going to come up in future conversations about this is that, yes, men are the, you know, targets of hateful language and dismissiveness. Like they, men are not immune from online harassment, but there are a couple of factors, one of which is just the sheer volume. And another is, you know, quite... Quite the 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 realisticness of a potential personal harm being done, and I that I think yeah. like really um, just recontextualizes what non men go through in a way that I think is just important to keep in mind. And you know, hashtag not all men, of course, but like just putting it out there initially that like yes, we know that men sometimes get harassed. This is not about them. Well, and also, I feel like this goes back to our first, or one of our first, where we talked about Susan Waldman not being accepted. It's still that same mentality, like, you don't belong here. Like, we, you're kind of infringing on our territory. Like, they could even totally agree with your opinion, but because it's you who said it, then it becomes a problem. So then, and then, you know, with Twitter, with Facebook, with all these things, people seek out like-minded people so then it becomes a mob that like there's a certain culture on twitter that you say the wrong thing and 
everybody gather gangs up on you like one retweet and you're done like you've got to mute your mentions you've got to take a break so it is it's kind of it's a mob mentality almost and they create their own little environment just because of one thing that they didn't agree with yeah i think this is such a good point also because it you know one person you can mute two people you can mute or block Mm -hmm. yeah there 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 are positives and negatives to both muting and blocking there are a lot of you know kind of dogmatists who think you should be doing one or the other specifically but everyone has their preferences but there's but there's a point where it becomes a deluge and the effect is to basically drive you offline and and it can work because because it's just you to log in and have to comb through dozens and dozens of the grossest most stomach turning things you can read like that's yeah, that's gonna drive people offline for a stretch, and that's the goal. And like, yeah, it it's it sucks that that it's a successful tactic, but it is. And I don't think we can, we shouldn't pretend otherwise. You know, there's a lot of a lot of well-intentioned people will talk about like not letting them get to you, and you know, just block and move on, and you know, don't let them win. But it's it's really not that easy. Exactly. No. Exactly. Especially like you know like. I, I dealt with this a lot. Like, I didn't deal with that sort of response a lot when I was dealing with online harassment specifically, but I have dealt with that sort of response when I've vented my frustrations about being a woman in science um, and issues I've dealt with in my graduate program. Um, it's always, you know, from older men, just just tough it out. It's supposed to be hard. You know, you can get through it. It's like, you know, like I can, but that doesn't mean that I like it or that it's easy or that like I'm not going to need to like take a break or you know things like that and just telling people that you can just tough it out it's like you don't know what it's like to move through the world as me you know like no (laughs) it's it's easy for you to say um and Linda, well, the idea that like it's it's hard it's supposed to be hard well then why make it harder like right like that's that's not better no um, and Linda, the point that you brought up about all it takes is run one retweet is an excellent, you know, segue to one of the specific stories that I got um, that I got sent to me um, is, you know, a, a woman, a trans woman named Dahlia messaged me um, and she said uh, she gave me specific permission to use her name. So disclaimer, anytime that I use someone's name, they've given me permission to use their name. If they have not given me permission, I'm not going to use their uh, use any identifying information when referring to them. Um, but Dahlia messaged me and said, you know, last year when Trevor Bauer was harassing people on Twitter for days on end, I criticized him and he made fun of my icon at the time that featured a girl smoking. It was like, well, smoking is bad or something dumb like that. Anyway, tons of his followers harassed me for like three days and I eventually had to lock my account over it so it all it takes is one prominent person with lots of followers to retweet quote tweet or even reply to something that you've tweeted and it's like a deluge like they like the followers come in masses and they just gang on and gang on and gang on um it's like the barstool effect like that's exactly how barstool Mm -hmm. operates um barstool is a huge purveyor of online harassment of women um and other non- cishet white dudes online um and they just basically sick their massive following on anyone who has an opinion they don't like 
and mostly it, it's an attack on the way they look on who they are and not an attack on said opinion and it just it becomes so overwhelming that people have to lock their accounts or people have to just step away for a while and it does you know it's it's exactly what maggie said like you know it it does the it does the intended <laughs> consequence of chasing people away that they don't like and it's unfortunate but you cannot blame these people for not wanting to stay online after that you know yeah people have been targeted by harassment you do what you need to to like stay sane in the face of being told terrible things about you like if what you need to do is go private or log off or quit twitter entirely that's you know that's something that we should trust people that they are doing what they need to do and not guilt them for it and not you know use it as evidence that they are somehow weak it is, mm-hmm. it's really a very personal choice. And I don't blame anybody who wants out permanently or otherwise of the Twitter cesspool. Exactly. You know, it's also, I mean, this is different. Um, but John Oliver had Monica Lewinsky on his show and it was about public shaming. And she said she felt she got the brunt of it and like, and Bill Clinton got off scot-free. Like, this isn't a political thing. I'm just saying this is how she felt. And she said, but for her, because he asked her, do you feel like it would have been worse if Twitter was around back then? And she said, for her, it's actually kind of better now because she hears voices of support. And she goes, and that would have made all the difference in the world to me if somebody said, what you're going through is horrible. So there is another side to it. Like, if you see somebody being harassed, make sure you say, back them up or say, do you need to talk? Or, you know, make sure that they do hear the other side, that the world isn't all just piling on all the time. And that's even if it's in a DM, even if it's in a DM, it can mean a lot at the right moment. Right. Exactly. Even Even if it's in a DM. I have I have used that tactic before DMing people to tell them like I'm here I see you because that is sometimes even better than doing it in public because sometimes you know it's very easy when you are not a marginalized person to step into a conversation and sort of like you know take the wheel and say like and white knight the thing and say like Mm -hmm. you know oh don't harass this woman I the man am here to save her like instead like this in this instance where I did it, it was a conversation between a woman of color and a white woman. And the white woman was being very dismissive of the woman of color's experience. And instead of, you know, me, another white woman stepping into the conversation and again, doing more to drown out her voice, I DM'd her and I said, listen, it's not my place to say anything in this conversation because I'm not a woman of color and I do not experience this. But I just want to say that I'm reading this and learning from it. And I appreciate your emotional labor. That's all it Mm -hmm. takes, you know, and she was very grateful for it because, you know, and I am grateful when people do these things for me because, you know, sometimes it feels like every when especially when you're knee deep in one of these instances where like it's a tidal wave of harassment, like you just feel so overwhelmed and small and alone. And that's what they want you to feel. And so just reaching out to someone, even if it's in a really small way to just be like, I see you and I'm really sorry you're going through this. It could mean a huge difference for someone going through yeah for me personally kind of the last time I really experienced a like tidal wave of online bullshit was um right after the Mets reacquired Jose Reyes 
And I made the choice to be fairly vocal in my feelings about that. And many other people made the choice to be very vocal about my feelings. Um, and, and I, I really did, it really did feel good to have, to have people reaching out and, and offering their support because there are times when you just sort of feel like you're drowning and, you know, and, and my, my experiences have not been as extreme as a lot of people's, but you know, that also triggered the first, to my knowledge, the only incident of this, though I have blocked everybody involved. So who knows what they're saying about me of something, I think the other, besides kind of the, the deluge effect of like, just plain old pushing someone off of Twitter just for sheer volume. There's also, I feel like one of the other sides of things is, is harassment that can or feels like it can bleed into real life. So whether that's like doxing or threats. And for me, what came right after, um, right after I was really outspoken about Reyes, um, was someone just, I mean, a ran like a, a known troll, um, accusing me of child abuse of, of harming my kids, kid singular at the time. Um, and that, you know, that just sort of, I, I kind of felt like frozen after that. Like, you don't really know. Um, like, I still kind of don't know what to say about it. Cause it's just, it's just like the worst thing any human has said to me, like in the world. Um, and like, I'm sure there are people who think you shouldn't give them that power over you. And it's like, okay, but, but that's my life. That's my, my children. Um, you know, I had to like, to talk about to my husband about like what what do we do if someone like calls cps like are you know we should be ready for that conversation and like you know it's i don't know i don't really know where i'm going with this line because it's like um it's just one of those things that i sort of have like semi-processed and moved on from because no good can come of that but like right it's terrible like it's and there and like people have had like, I know I'm not the only woman in sports whose kids have been targeted. Um, and certainly, you know, it can be taken up another level with with doxing and with with like items being sent to the home and other um, really kind of personal, live, real consequences. Okay, well, it's just online. It's not yeah. like go- Google your name and the word address and see what comes up like it can be pretty frightening to realize just how close people who hate you are to to you and like sports especially because guess what if I'm at a game and they're at a game we're both at the game so it's uh kind of one of those things that's always just in the background of like what could happen in life from this yeah and a perfect example um you know a similar vein of someone you know daring to speak out against uh an abuser um and dealing with this sort of backlash um is a recent example that goes back to the addison russell conversation that we've been having on this podcast a lot um so cheryl rings a writer at fangraphs actually i think she just announced recently that she is leaving fangraphs and going to be on the box score so congratulations to cheryl for making that yeah i think she she put up her first uh beyond the box score article today and it looks really exciting so she's a great follow we we tweeted about her um on our follow friday 
of this past week. So definitely dig into those those tweet archives from a pod of their own because there's some good stuff there. Yeah. Um, so while Cheryl was still at Fangraphs um, back in May, uh, while this whole Addison Russell situation was going on, while they were, you know, thinking about activating him and everything, um, the, you know, she was a person that dared speak out about and this was a report she received um anonymously from a chicago you know a person in the chicago media um she dared speak out about the fact that the cubs were actively trying to suppress negative press coverage of addison russell and she tweeted about that um and she got massive massive backlash for it to the point where she had to lock her account and like completely go dark for a while um and she wrote a really harrowing piece um, for All Heels on Deck. I highly recommend you check it out. We will link it in the show post. Um, I obviously can't. I We don't have time today to cover all of it. But if you want to read about her experience, please, please do so. Because it's, you know, it's harrowing to read. Um, but yeah, basically, it's, you know, it's all, a lot of the stuff that Maggie talked about. And it's a lot of different stuff because Cheryl is transgender. Um, and she got a lot of, you know, like, transphobic bullshit (laughs) um after that just people targeting her for being transgender instead of you know taking issue with the actual issue at hand um and she said that she spent lots of time crying and people get people sent her death threats and it was just terrifying for her so these are real things that can seep into real life and to go back to the point about that you made earlier, Linda, about Monica Lewinsky versus Bill Clinton um, and the difference between, you know, how, how they were treated. Um, like Cheryl wasn't the only one to report about this. Um, cishet men like Mike Gianella and others confirmed her report and mm-hmm. they did not get nearly, nearly the backlash online that she got. Um, like her like what she received was a million million times worse and so that just goes to show that it's you know it's not just about what you say it's about who the person who the messenger is that's saying it (sighs) Um, it's definitely an area where we see intersectionality at play yes absolutely um so to sort of you know go down my list of stories that i've received because i want to make sure i get everyone a a little bit of airtime. Um, Liz, formerly of The Good Fight, now at Yahoo, reached out to me too and talked about how she got a ton of shit for stuff that she's written. Um, One specifically that she referenced was, um, you know, she wrote about, um, so Mike Schmidt, uh, beloved former Philly, um, made a joke on, made a really ill-advised joke, hard to even call it a joke because it's not very funny, um, on the Phillies broadcast um, referencing the Me Too movement. So he said, you know, I've got a dishwasher at home, actually, my wife. And then, like, people kind of reacted like, mm. And then mm. he said, I do the dishes, actually, but where's the Me Too movement on that? And so it's like, Jesus Christ. Um, so obviously Liz wrote about how problematic that was, um, and she got a ton of backlash for it, shockingly. Um, because, again, as is the case with... Russell, as is the case with Reyes, as is the case with Mike Schmidt, people will compulsively defend their beloved players at the expense of people they don't, they fail to see are actual human beings behind that keyboard. And the First Amendment right that they will defend (laughs) Mike Schmidt to have, that he can say whatever he wants, that, of course, doesn't ever seem to extend to women who feel that it is worthy of criticism 
Well, any first amendment right just gives you the right to say something. It doesn't give you the right to not sound like an asshole, though. Like, I can still call you an asshole if, because you are one. But, like, you know, and going back to what you said, Allison, about how, um, you know, we don't all have the same life experiences. Like, I don't know what it's like to be transgender, and I don't want to, you know, put myself in, like, Cheryl's shoes or whatever. But, you know, but then it's always like, it's like, let's say, you know, it, it was me and then saying, oh, you know, it's fine, Cheryl, just block them or whatever. Like, you can't ever know what's really going through somebody's mind and belittling them makes it 10 times worse. Yeah. So you can't like, you can't just wave off this stuff either. And when you do see something like that, like a stupid joke like that, you, you like it, that piles up too. Even if it is just, you know, an offhand comment, it's so many offhand comments. It's a culture that's building up. And if we don't call out him, then, you know, just because he's Mike Schmidt, you know, you're just, you're letting the culture continue. And this breeds more and more. And the online, it, it, goes from real world until online and online it can be worse because they can hide behind their keyboards so you have to you know no i don't want to say be vigilant but you know you can't just wave it all off either yeah you have like especially like what maggie was talking about when it involves your real life and your family you have no choice but to take these threats seriously like you can say don't let it get to you but it's not just you that's being affected when it bleeds into your real life you have mm -hmm. no choice but to think that this person actually might want to kill you or actually might want to harm your family like or, <laughs> you know or google you to see where you are or, to see where you live you know like yeah like even you know that kind of bleeds into, you know, like online dating. You know, so many people go that route, but it's it can be terrifying for a woman. It's you don't really know what scary. you're walking into. Yeah, it's really scary. I basically yeah. am always telling my roommate, like I did, I did um a few dating apps for a while. It it wasn't for me. I kind of quit them after a while, but um and it wasn't because I had any like super super negative experiences or anything like that. Um, but I, like I would tell my roommate where I was going. I'd be like, here's the restaurant I'm going to. If I'm not home by X time, like, please text me and see, like, if I'm okay. Yeah, make sure I made it home, uh, you know, double check. Like, I don't think men don't get that, you know, these are the precautions we have to take every day, pretty much. Yeah. And this, this, like, is a good transition to another story that I heard, um, which, you know, and this talks about the spectrum of abuse, right? Like, you can go from, you can, at the one extreme end, you can have doxing and threats. But on the other end of the spectrum, you can have, like, you know, these everyday microaggressions that may not seem bad, but they add up. And when you report things to Twitter and Twitter decides it's not harassment, it's like, oh, so I don't matter. Um one woman uh, messaged me saying that she got a few tweets um, after, like, Trey Turner's old tweets surfaced. She's an Axe fan. Um, so she was outspoken about that after Trey Turner's old tweets surfaced um, that, you know, were deemed by Twitter to not be abusive, even though, like, guys were calling her toots and, like, you know, being demeaning toward her. And one guy said that she was probably just jealous because because she called a marlin's man's mermaids i don't know if you guys know about marlin's man he has these like mermaids yes. it's like really sexist and gross um but yeah she called that gross and like 
they were saying that she was just jealous of them, which is, like, bizarre. Um, And so we went on to talk about that, like, even though these don't cross over the line to, like, doxing, threats, things like that. But we went on to talk about, have a conversation about, like, it's important to reveal how pervasive this stuff is in our everyday lives. Like, even when it doesn't cross the line into these extreme um, situations of harassment, we still get these, like, little demeaning responses every single day to stuff we say. Um, and Twitter's Twitter's approach to this whole situation is is deeply problematic. You know, they, yes. um, they're very, very inconsistent with how they enforce their own rules, even something that does actively violate the rules, they are very affected by um, how many reports there are. So if you report something and nobody else, then that may, may not get any attention, which means that in order to get something addressed by Twitter, sometimes you have to have to kind of elevate that message to your followers, which is not always something you want to do. And it can be embarrassing. It can be uncomfortable. Um, it also means that, that when there are kind of little clusters of trolls, and this is something I don't see quite as much in sports, but it comes up a lot in like um, in more political. There's there's kind of little clusters of alt right users who will who will like mass report innocuous tweets and get the person um, account locked. But but there's plenty of stuff that that straight up does not violate their terms of service, like. There is no rule that is violated when somebody says that I that I abuse my kids. Like that's not that's not something that Twitter deems to be a problem. So it it's all it's kind of exacerbated. The culture is exacerbated by a system that is not particularly interested in policing itself. Yeah, there are no safeguards in place for when something can have real world implications and then there's always a when something does happen like oh well we'll look into it and you know we're looking at our policies but what really changes yeah yeah it's yeah the problem is is that you know these social media companies haven't exactly been good about this stuff and online is just so difficult to police and so it's just basically the wild west out there um and we kind of all have to fend for ourselves and it's you know really really hard like maggie said when you want something actually done about a problematic individual oftentimes you have to like do a tweet that's like hey this person's harassing me could you guys all report this person but then like that just opens you up to more harassment when you do that yep (laughs) so it's like it's a double-edged sword um and when you open pandora's box it can't be closed again often and so you know it's not great um but yeah um going back to the issue of doxing um i had two different people um message me uh that had experiences with this um so i had a trans woman who's a baseball fan message me saying that she unfortunately has oodles of experience uh with this stuff especially in the sport of cycling um so they've been targeted um by turfs and transphobes for advocating for topics of inclusion within cycling for trans people um and like she said, I feel like that's sort of just what happens. As far as baseball goes, largely I keep my mouth shut now. And she said, to ensure the safety of myself and others, I filed a police report so I wouldn't get swatted after I was doxxed. And so, you know, this goes to show that, like, the the point that we made earlier about these people are changing their online behavior because of this. And they're forced to sort of 
not speak out about things they would normally speak out about. So for this person, they just decided to stop speaking out about baseball entirely because they just felt like it wasn't worth the aggravation. And who can blame them, you know? Yeah, that's sad. But like you're getting, you're losing a perspective that way. And, you know, they might see something that, you know, we wouldn't see or they have a different perspective than we have. And, you know, that's the feel that they can't, use their voice like i just find that heartbreaking and these are already voices that we don't have enough of don't have yeah (laughs) you know um and this was this happened to be this person the day that this person dm'd me about this and we were dming back and forth this happened to be the same day as the seven line calendar stuff went down um and i don't want to sidetrack this segment and go into a whole segment about that because that could be a whole separate segment and maybe it will be who knows um but it was the same day as that controversy was happening baseball this basically the seven line used to have a calendar of a bunch of women um scantily clad women um and they that is very male gazy and gross um and they took it away for a while and they decided that they might want to bring it back and so you know it caused this whole debate to rear its head again um and so like, I was participating in the debate trying to get them to see, like, what the issue is with it. And this person who was DMing me was also participating in that debate a little bit. Um, and, like, <laughs> like you know, we were being dismissed over and over again. And she DMed me again, like, see, this is why I pr- why us folks pretty much just don't speak up about sports anymore. Because, like, it's not. I mean, I'll say I got involved in a conversation about that. I mean, I'm doing the math. It had to have been five years ago. And, um not getting into the conversation now because it was a deeply unpleasant experience that brought a lot of people my way who, you know, did not have my best interest in mind. And yeah, like I'm not, that's, that's not a conversation at least, you know, maybe, maybe I'll have that conversation with y'all. I don't know yet. (laughs) Um, But like, yeah, that's an example of just where the harassment was absolutely not worth it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, you know, and there, this is, you know, something that, and I'm not trying to characterize the whole group, but this is something that they've had issues with in the past. Um, There's certainly harassment. a streak within yes. that group. A barstool-esque vibe, I called it yes. yesterday. <laughs> um, in not all, not even the majority, I would say, but, you know, a very vocal and active minority in that group that harass women online. Um, and it's basically why I stopped associating with them and going to their outings and it's a shame because i think that the concept is so good um i think their clothes are good um and again we maybe we'll have a whole separate segment about this someday but it's a shame um that you know this barstool-esque mob mentality just troll everyone and go into their you know mentions just to give them a hard time and make them feel unsafe is really really unfortunate (laughs) Um, and it not much is being done about it. Like, obviously, you know, the powers that be aren't participating in it, but they're not necessarily denouncing it heartily enough either is the issue. And so it keeps going on. Um, well, and also there's the others, men, who were saying, oh, if the women want to do it, it's fine. It's up to the women to choose. But it's like if the women are telling you it's a problem, it's not up to you to decide whether it's right or wrong. Like, don't get involved in this conversation because there were quite a few women who had a big problem with it and who were saying what the issues were. And they were just like, no, you should leave it up to the to the woman to decide. But like, like just I am a woman. It. I am. Deciding. Yeah. 
Yes. <laughs> and I'm telling Listen you why me. it's bad. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, it's it's frustrating. It's, yeah. And it's these things, too. It's not just, you know, the open, like, harassment and comments yeah. about my looks and things like that. It's the, like, having, like, any concern that I have about things that are problematic, like, dismissed out of hand dismissed. that way. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's frustrating. Um, so to wrap up the, like, stories from other folks, um, I kind of saved the doozy for last. So... Another story I got um, uh, from someone about the issue of doxing, and this was probably the, the like scariest story that I got, and it was it was something else. Let me just tell you. Um, so, this woman's a, a queer woman baseball fan, um, and she talked to me about something that happened to her last summer. She was in a Facebook group with a few thousand different members um, about baseball strategy. She, she said that she just wanted to like learn more about the strategy and the like saber metrics about baseball. Um, and this was like strictly a like strategy sabermetric community. And so discussions of social topics in baseball were actively discouraged within this group. Basically like keep your politics out of my sports, which is a problematic attitude for many reasons that we won't get into today. Um, Allow me to introduce you to all of sports that yeah. exist within a society that we can't separate them from no matter how much you would like to. I'm sorry. Um, so she, you know, pushed back against that attitude and like she wasn't being openly political, to, like stumping for candidates in her Facebook group. But she basically made a post about like the declining number of black managers in baseball and got like really, really like harassing responses. Um, she got responses that were like highly sexist, extremely homophobic. She got called a rainbow tape bullshitter, social justice warrior, which is something we hear all the time, pejoratively, um, dumb fuck, all sorts of other like nasty names. Um, so in response, because she was just sick of it, she was like, I don't have to put up with this. She left the group, which you can do. <laughs> it's a Facebook group. You can just leave. So she was like, screw this. I'm gone. And this is what many people would tell one to do. Like, oh, the group is bothering you leave the group well she did it she left the group um so again like that is a voice that is now lost in that group mm -hmm. an important voice that's now lost in that group like a group that's probably full of like older cis white dudes um now doesn't have her there but she left um which is well within her right obviously um but she kept being added back to it by the moderators like she would try to leave and the moderators would keep adding her back um and so like people from the group started like leaking into her actual profile instead of just harassing her in the group they like her would like make comments on her profile pictures and like make comments on like her other photos and things like that and so finally she like left the group there's like a leave the group permanently option so she did that and the moderator started dming her on facebook personally um about and sending her like all sorts of messages like i don't know why you're leaving and saying like how she's quote a beautiful girl and would make a wonderful wife that he doesn't know what would make somebody a homosexual that he knew a guy once who was huh? gay and the last time he called the guy to told him to leave him alone like it's just like it, he went on like a huge rant to her about like how he doesn't know why she's gay and she'd make a great wife like what the oh hell crazy well, stuff something that's sick. really scary with something like that also is that if someone is so unhinged as to like as to talk like that to someone else like you don't know what's gonna be next like yeah. you, you like yeah, what you other say like oh well you know it's very different to say mean things as opposed to like hurting someone but like how is she supposed to know that she's not going to end up as a headline or a statistic 
Like this guy has already proven himself to be unhinged. You know, that's, that's a scary situation to be in because you don't know what's coming next. And and clearly he didn't respect boundaries either. Like she left, get the hint. Right. And this is the moderator of the Facebook group. Like, such as like a random member. This is the moderator of the group doing oh this to God. her. And so it escalated further. Uh, like she like didn't return his messages. So he and exactly what we were alluding to earlier. He Googled her. He found her personal phone number. He called her and left a voicemail on her phone. And she sent me the audio of the voicemail. And it is creepy as hell. You guys it is creepy as hell. I'm obviously not going to play it or anything like that, but it's is very creepy it's gross it's like and it's and it's clearly the ramblings of a completely unhinged man because it's more of the same that she got like on the like on the dm about like how she's beautiful and she shouldn't be her like i'm sorry people are harassing you in the group for being gay but i don't really understand that lifestyle and it's clearly that this is just like an older boomer that doesn't understand anything and like it's just rambling like it is like like it is like a four minute voicemail it's wild I'm like, oh, it's so creepy and gross. And I was like, I can't believe this happened to you. I am so sorry. And like, this is like, this is unfortunately not very unusual. This is not very unusual. This happens to folks a lot. And it's yeah, scary. It's terrifying. Well, I just want to shout out, he's in the minors right now, uh, but he's a great Twitter follower, a t- great Twitter follow, Kieran Lovegrove. Um but I think he's still in the minors for the Giants. Yeah, he's in the Giants organization. Yeah. And his pinned tweet, he said somebody didn't believe that women get harassed. So he asked women for to show him, you know, screenshots or whatever. And there's a whole thread. Yeah, go in there <laughs> like, and take a yeah. look. It's illuminating. Yeah, you, yeah, I was gonna say you would not believe the responses he got. And it's not just baseball, it's everywhere. Um, but yeah. It's it's pretty systemic. It's pretty pretty pervasive. It's everywhere. You can't avoid it. And yes, it does happen. Yeah, and it's and the more like the more prominent you are, the worse it is. Like the more Twitter followers you have, the more like the more prominent your job is in the world of sports, the worse it is. Um, so other folks who um, who reached out to me who like didn't share specific stories with me, but were just like, hey. <laughs> Hi, me. I've dealt with this, um, and I just want to shout them out. Um, include Jen Mac, Mac Ramos, who's um, at Baseball Prospectus. Um, they have dealt with a lot of issues um, with this. Um, and Julie DeCaro, um, which you should totally, if you have not seen it, and we will link it in the show post and the tweets, um, you should check out um, Julie DeCaro and Sarah Spain did a video um, where basically men who, not a- not actors, but like, real men but not men who wrote these tweets just like men off the street basically like men that they hired for the video um read mean tweets back to them that were written like real tweets that were written about them um and it's it's really difficult to watch because a the tweets are disgusting obviously um and awful and b like i think it's the best part about the video is because the, the, the women obviously have seen these tweets, so they know what they say. Um, the men hadn't seen the tweets ahead of time, um, so they don't know how truly disgusting they are. And seeing, like, these men react to the tweets and, like, being like not being able to look in their eyes as they read them and not being able to, like, barely e- even being able to get it out, it just goes to show that, like, you know, 
these are things that you would have a lot of trouble saying to someone's face. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, it's a pretty, it's a, it's a really good video. I mean, it's awful, but it's a really like brilliantly put together piece. Like, and I think the um, best really, demonstration really of proud this. of them. Yeah. Yeah. And it's really hard. And I commend them for like doing this because like they have to hear these nasty things said to them out loud that they've read on their computers and then they have to live it again out loud to their face. Um, and I know that I, Julie is in tears at one point because it's just, I, I would be, it's like, yeah, you know, these things are disgusting, um, that they say to them and yet the men are having a lot of trouble reading it. Like they, like multiple of them are like, do I really have to read this? Like, it's like, yep, because these are real things that people have said. Um, and so it's, it's good. It's a good exercise because these men, like it's, it's a good message to, you know, cishet dudes that you know, these things happen, they're pervasive and, you know, don't act this way. Um, And so, yeah. And Christina Carl as well is, is a huge voice on this. Um, She's dealt with a lot of issues. She's trans as well and has dealt with a lot of harassment. She's um, co-founder of Baseball Prospectus and is currently um, an editor at ESPN. So she's another uh, good follow on Twitter. So you should follow her. Um, So yeah. Um, that is, you know, this is a huge issue. And it's, I think it's important to have these conversations to help people who don't deal with this on a routine basis realize how pervasive it is on a day to day basis and how these range from, you know, everyday sort of microaggressions and dismissing our opinions as not valid to comments on our looks, um, manipulating our profile pictures, saving them and like doing nasty things to them, to calling us names, to threats and doxing and escalating into real life harassment. So, um, yeah. Any final thoughts uh, on either of your parts about this? I would just say if you're kind of feeling like you don't really know what to do with all this information, you know, if you're someone who hasn't really experienced this, then kind of what I would say is like believe people when they tell you what they go through and how it makes them feel. Just just accept it at face value. Don't say like, well, have you tried blah, blah, blah. Like believe women Mm -hmm. and trans people, anyone who's feeling harassed like trust that that is their legitimate feeling um and reach out to them if you see someone getting piled on message them ask them you know sometimes people would like another person to weigh in publicly so ask them if if they would like you to do that and just tell them that just tell them that it sucks and that you hate seeing it and you wish it didn't happen because sometimes that is just (laughs) something you need to hear yeah, I I mean, we can't say it enough. Just the support, the, the you know, reaching out, just even just have, being there to let some of them vent, you know, that can make all the difference in the world is to, to get it out, like, you know, maybe not even online, but say, hey, want to meet for coffee or something. If you know the person and if their DMs are okay with being open, like, sometimes even that, like, overstepping a lot can make a woman feel very uncomfortable, too. So, but, you know, just saying, hey, you know, my DMs are open. If you ever want to talk, I'm here. Um, that's the most important thing is so that nobody feels like they're alone and in dealing, have to deal with this by themselves. Right. Yeah. I echo those sentiments completely because the one time, um, and I alluded to it last week, so I'm not going to go through the whole story again, especially since we're running a long time. But, um, the one time that I really dealt with the peak of 
this and it's not nearly as bad as what other people have had to go through but the one time the first time i like really experienced this in at like the scale of like many many people doing it to me at once like i would have gone absolutely i would have broke down crying if not for you know the amazing avenue slack and like the community of baseball fans that i have that i know are good people that are my friends like you two um everybody else (laughs) like i would have like lost my shit basically because it was just so awful like that was the only thing keeping me from just like quitting twitter for like a week um but yeah so it's just having a community of folks that are supportive is super important and keep in mind that if like if this is a marginalized person that's dealing with this it's even more important for them to have a community where they feel safe and the more they get chased away from these online communities the worse it is for them because all they're trying to do is just be able to like share the thing that they love in other with other people in a safe place that shouldn't be too much to ask it should no it simply shouldn't um we we all love baseball we all you know we're all going through stuff you know you never know what somebody's going through too right so just there's no need to pile on or belittle somebody like we're all dealing with stuff we're all trying to get through this together we're all you know trying to escape watch a baseball game so why be a jerk about it just because somebody looks different exactly it's very it's very easy to disagree with people online and have a serious discussion about that disagreement without being an asshole very Mm -hmm. easy sure is um so don't be an asshole that's the that's what it comes down to that's the message of this segment don't be an asshole um so when we get back Um, As always, we will close things out on a much happier note with walk-off wins. So stay tuned for that. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay. Um, for the final segment of this week, as we always do, we will end things with walk-off wins, um, where each of us talks about what is making us happy this week, baseball-related or otherwise. Um, so kind of like Linda and I did that one time, Maggie and I have a joint walk-off win this week, um, which is that, and we alluded to it earlier, that we were both present at the game on Saturday, and that's because it was Baseball Prospectus Day at City Field on Saturday. Um, so... A bunch of folks over at Baseball Prospectus, they do these uh, events at multiple ballparks every year. Um, And Saturday was the event at City Field for the Mets. Um, It was just a bunch of our friends over at BP um, and a bunch of our friends at Amazing Avenue were there too. Um, And it's just a nice time to be able to hang out with our online community friends in real life and chat about baseball and see a game together. And I had a really great time. Yeah, it's a really like, 
it's just a good group of folks. You know, talk about not being an asshole. Like, it's just a very, like, interesting and supportive. And, you know, there there's some pretty, like, significant disagreements that will occur in the community of giant baseball nerds. But it is a group that much less frequently than other communities seems to be struck with the asshole gene. But um, aside from it just being a great group of people and um, it was also just a fantastic game. It was, um, it was a terrible game. It was, I mean, it was it, terrible. It was, it was a terribly a garbage played game, but it was terribly really played baseball. fun. And um, we got to see a, an enormous uh, group dong from Pete, which I think is, is still... I'm fairly confident is the hardest hit home run I've seen in person ever. I, think, I agree. It's the it's and... <laughs> the most gargantuan home run I've ever seen in person. It, it smacked was off wild. the upper deck in City Field, which I have like never seen. They um, called it 458 it. feet, and I I disagree. It goes further. <laughs> I've yeah, only I, seen opposing pimp players hit it up there. <laughs> John Carlos Stanton being one of them. Yeah, true. But yeah, it for... really it was like a Stanton shot. It had that like um, that it almost seemed like a line drive, but just bigger, just so uh, like big. much bigger. Oh, uh, and then just the wild <laughs> ending where like we all were like, ah, that's it. It's gonna tie we were all of this, so and then. Then there was the throw out at home, and it was just, oh, it was great. It was a really good game. Um, Wait, was that when and... Seth Lugo walk, had the bases loaded at one point, too? Yeah, and he struck out a guy to get out of it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Um, Seth Lugo pitched the eighth, and then um, Edwin Diaz pitched the ninth, and um, he it, we had a two-run lead going into the ninth, um, and Edwin Diaz gave one of the runs back, um, and then I think it was Colton Wong hit, like, a bloop, like down the left field line that like just evaded like perfectly blooped between Conforto and McNeil um and then McNeil threw the guy out at home because Jack Flaherty um the pitcher was pinch running I'm convinced if they hadn't like run out of position players to pinch run if it had been like an actual like fast position player like he would not have been able to tag him out at the plate but it would have been pitcher, close so. and I will like McNeil's throw was money on, yeah. the, it on was, target just nailed it perfectly um yeah, that was that was a really good game, and um, I mean, terrible game, but a lot of fun. Yeah, <laughs> you know what? If they if they win that game, I'll take it every time. Yep, yep. Well, maybe not without the Syndergaard injury. Yeah, right. Minus the Syndergaard injury. Yeah, um, yeah, right. That whole part. Like I said, it was a pretty bad game, except <laughs> wonderful. Yeah, and you know. We'll reiterate what Maggie said, just a great group of folks. And, you know, especially given what we talked about in the segment today, like I am so grateful to have my little online community of people that I trust and call my friends. And it's just really great to be able to enjoy a game with them, get to have a few beers with them. It was really nice. So, yeah, shout out to Baseball Perspectives for hosting the event. We really appreciate it. We had a lot of fun. And they do it every year, and it's a great event. Like, yep. watch watch our Twitter. I I always will promote it when I see it come up because I really think it's like one of the most fun things that you can do. There's a there's a panel at the beginning with um there it'll it starts with you know whoever the GM might be at that particular <laughs> moment. You never can tell. Um and GM will answer, you know, fan questions and then baseball prospectus writers answer some questions too. And um you get in early, so you always get whatever the giveaway is for that evening. Yeah, we all got um, gnomes. Without, 
without having to wait online for the ridiculous periods of time that people wait, wait online for these things. Um, yeah, so I would like heartily recommend it to any and all humans. And we got, and we not only did we get to hang out with our favorite, favorite Amazing Avenue and Baseball Perspectives people, but we also got to meet some friends of the pod too, like David and others. So, and gave us compliments about the pod. So we're so grateful. So it was nice um, hanging out with you and meeting all of you. So thank you so much for your kind words at BP Day. Really and awesome. I'm glad that I got to meet Allison's parents, who are fabulous <laughs> and so much here. fun. And like, I hope they come to all the games. Yeah, I met them last year. I think they are adorable. I love her parents. <laughs> Linda, you'll get to hang out with them again because we're going yes. to a game in late July. So Maggie, you should come July 24th. Maybe we can have an entire Apato, all three of us. Okay, I'm not going to check my calendar right this moment while we're still recording, but I am going to check the calendar. I think yeah. it's a Wednesday. It's a Wednesday against the Padres. Yeah. Okay, um, I probably can't make it, but I'll make another one, I promise. <laughs> okay. Um, anyway. So Linda, what is your walk-off win for this week? Mine is the Friday night game. Um, I missed the ending of the first game because we were stuck in traffic. But um, my brother's company does like an outing every year. So they get the Honda Club, which is in right field. It's next to the bullpen. Yeah. So like you're you're basically on the field. Like Conforto is kind of standing right in front of you. And um, so it's also kind of weird to see baseball from like behind like the actions coming towards you instead of away from you so it's kind of yeah so you're kind of seeing it from the player's perspective which is kind of cool but anytime a ball was hit on the infield I had no clue if it was getting through if somebody was fielding it where the players were and then you also do kind of lose the ball down the left field line because we're further back so i like i just had to guess if the ball went out of the ballpark based on the crowd reaction <laughs> uh, <laughs> but like you also see things you normally wouldn't see there uh like robert gazelman looked like he was freezing he had his hood up he had his hoodie on he was kind of <laughs> yeah, like rob it's 70 degrees it's not that bad <laughs> Um, and then reminds you get, me like, of uh, Robert Gazelman's like weird like warm up stretches. Remember that time? There's yes! a gif of him of him like, like slapping on the his hamstrings. <laughs> like, dude, it's not that bad. Like, okay. like a little breezy, but it's okay. Um, but yeah, you get you know, it's not that bad. Like, I think for fifty dollars, you get like unlimited food. You get soda nice. and water. Oh. Oh, I can uh, eat fifty dollars of food like nothing. Yeah, yeah. Um, really. There's the like, there's a bathroom in there. You get your own bathroom. There's TV. I pay there. extra just for that. To yeah, be honest. you don't have to wait in line for the bathroom, so it is nice. So if you like, this isn't an ad, but you know, if you want to have a company outing, have it at City Field. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> but it was it was fun until Amelia came in. Yeah, we but- won't talk about that part. No, but hmm. the Mets did. At least they scored. Mats hit a home run, which was fun. Oh yeah, that is fun. That's very fun. Pitcher dong is always good. Yeah, I was gonna say. I don't think. I think that's my real first real life pitcher dong. Yeah, so, that's always fun. Yeah, so that, that I can mark that. <laughs> Hashtag pitchers who rake. Yeah, exactly. Hashtag no G no DH. Hashtag no DH. Um. So oh, yeah. that. Oh, go ahead. No, I was just going to say that was my walk-off win, even though it was 
the game ended up being awful. It was still a fun night. <laughs> That's great. Um, so fun times at City Field this past weekend were had by all, which is awesome. Um, so that does it for this week's episode. Um, please um, subscribe to the podcast in Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts, and rate and review the show. It really, really helps. Um, in the meantime, you can go to AmazingAvenue.com to check out all of our fantastic content. I think that Jarrett Seidler might have a piece about Alonzo happening this week. Um, he's our friend at Baseball Prospectus, who is now dropping in occasionally at Amazing Avenue. Um as well as our usual game recaps, news posts about all the myriad of roster moves the Mets are making at the at the time. Um, and, you know, news posts as we always have every morning, um, analysis, etc. So go to AmazingAvenue.com for all of that. You can follow Amazing Avenue on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Amazing Avenue. You can follow the show on Twitter at A Pod of Their Own. You can follow me on Twitter. I am at Petite PhD. Where are you, Maggie? At MagQ162. And you, Linda? At Linda Servit. You can follow all of us on Twitter. You can email the show, own at gmail.com. We'll have another mailbag segment soon-ish, probably. Um, and yeah, in the meantime, uh, original music for this podcast is by Bunga. Let's go Mets. And don't forget, there is no crying in podcast.